Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and this week we're going to talk about how running led someone to a deeper relationship with God. It happens and we see it all the time. And then, well, have you ever played Monopoly? And do you think you know the rules to Monopoly? Well, we're going to find out today. And joining me for those stories and much, much more is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Well, I'm sure that you're probably really tired from the world championships to staying up and getting up early and that you kind know, of thing. You know, you came in here a while ago and you were talking about how tired you were and that you've been up at 4 a.m. the past two days. And I was like, man, what have you been doing? I feel bad for you. You said watching the world championships. I said, don't feel bad for you anymore. <laughs> so I didn't keep up with with any of it. Um and you'll fill us in, I'm sure, a yeah. little bit later. But I did want to tell you about a cool thing. I don't know if you've talked to Lane this weekend. I haven't. But Lane and Landon got to experience something that was pretty cool. Um, they went on Saturday night up to the Magnum Mile. Oh, and yeah. <clears throat> do you remember the guy's name that was there? Um, Kiyoki uh, or? You no, talk, it was the guy that looks like Prefontaine, the pro runner. Brandon Hudgens? no. Oh, man, I knew I should have got this name. Anyway, they had some pro guy coming in. Because, you know, the sub-four-minute miles never happened on Chattanooga soil. Right. And the Magnum miles where they've been trying to get it for the past few years. And so they brought this professional guy in. He looks just like Prefontaine. I can't believe you don't know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about, but I can't Um, think of his name. Anyway, so they get there, the, the, the... the mile is going to be run late in the cam run is a is a run that started several years back uh in memory of a gentleman by the name of cameron bean right that's right and uh so this is a run in his memory they do a 5k in the morning and then they take the top runners in the 5k and they come back that night and run what's called the magnum mile and it's it's at the gps on their track and they just everybody's just trying to run a fast mile but the four minute barrier has never been broken so they bring this guy in, and uh, what was so cool about it, I watched the video, is it was late at night, I guess maybe 10 o'clock maybe, it's pretty late when the the open field goes. And uh, so all these guys are lining up, I mean, these are the top runners, and literally 10 seconds before they're starting, there's a storm moving in and the power goes out. Oh my goodness. GPS goes dark, I mean, the track goes dark. And you can see the lightning. It never did rain, but it was just one of those storms coming in, and it was lightning. But the lightning was far away off. It it was safe. But the crazy thing was is you've seen how that that Magnum Mile works. The track is packed all the way around. The outside three lanes is just wall-to-wall people to watch. Well, everybody turned their flashlights on their phone. And this guy that I can't remember his name, he's like, we're running. And he starts pumping the crowd up. You can see the lightning, lightning up the sky. And they run this mile race in the pitch dark with the only thing shining the way is thousands of 
phone i say thousands probably a thousand people on the track yeah with their flashlights people are on the infield shining out to the track and they run this and it is it is you've got to watch the video oh my goodness it is the atmosphere is electric and he ran 359 oh i mean it was just lane said it couldn't have been a better set up for that to happen in chattanooga we'll have to watch the video a little bit later but yeah go check it out the magno mile if you look it up on facebook i'm sure you'll come across some video because everybody was videoing obviously um maybe i can find a copy or something attached to i mean find the video and maybe put it in the show notes yeah see if you can do that yeah Uh, well lane's got one i mean you can get one from lane he videoed it Uh, but it was just it was the lights went off and this guy's like we're running Turn your flashlights on and let's go. I can't imagine because, you know, I've, I've been there at time, you know, in years past yeah. to watch it. And the, the atmosphere is electric on a normal day. Right. I can't imagine with all of that how much more. And then for him to get 359. Yeah. I mean, just for that cool for Chattanooga to be that. Able is to do cool. That, but, that uh, is cool. I mean, cool. I'm sure because I told Lane, I would think, you know, 359 is never easy. But for that caliber runner, I would say he knew he was going to do it, you would think. Do you, know, do you three, think? I think 359 is hard on just about anybody anytime. Yeah. I mean, okay. even if you took the, the best, you know, Jakob Ingebrigtsen and put him yeah. out there, yeah, he could run a three. He would know he was going to run it, but right. it would still be – it's more than a workout. I mean, he looked like he was just cru- – <laughs> of course, in the dark with nothing but flashlights, they look like they're going way faster yeah. than they are. Cause you're and just, it feels like You're it catching too. glimpses of them and – you see a glimpse here, and next thing you know, he's down here. And it was just, it was, it that was I wish so I would have been there. Yeah. Really cool. So. Very cool. Very cool. Anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about this week's sponsor. Uh, established in 2011, Outer Elements is a design-build landscaping company servicing northwest Georgia and the Chattanooga area, specializing in the latest techniques in landscape architecture and design. Outer Elements has the professional experience to develop a wide range of projects in both the commercial and residential sectors. From irrigation installation, hardscape construction, planting, and beyond, Outer Elements can help you conceptualize any landscape project and make it a reality. Contact them today at 678-445-1968 to connect with a passionate landscape architect. So again, to all of our sponsors out there, thank you for what you do. We simply can't do what we do without you. So thank you again to Outer Elements. Amen. Facebook post from last week comes from Lynn Carroll McDonald. She says, thank you all for the encouraging words from my run a couple of days ago. I just got to sit down and read them all since I'm still on work travel. Today was another very hot one in Tuscaloosa. I had convinced myself earlier in the day that I was going to skip today's easy six miles because it was just too hot. But then at the last minute, I made myself get out there and just said I'd do what I could. When I went out, it was a heat index of 112, but I got all six miles in with 60-30 run-walk intervals. Woohoo! Still 104 heat index when I finished just after dark. This heat is no joke. Now that is no joke. 112, of course, Tuscaloosa in late August. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about as hot as... Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, it's August. about the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, kudos to her for getting out there and getting it done. Yeah, you know, running in the heat is hard, but it can be done. And she did exactly the right thing. She went out there and she 
dialed it back a little bit. Just lower and the expectations. What I want to know is she says she ran with a 60-30 run-walk intervals. What was the other 10%? I don't know if she's not a very good math person. Or, but, but Wait or call her out. Dean. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that was an oversight. but it, Well, you know, I mean, even in polls you see in politics and things like that, there's always that margin of error that yeah. they have in there. So maybe yeah. that's her margin that's of error. That's her margin just, of error. She really didn't know that last 10%. Right, right. So, so, but that was the warm-up and cool-down. Well, I thought maybe she just just kind of taking a breather every once in a while. Well, that was I'm, her 10%. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that Lynn knows how to do math. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but it was great because – a lot of times we just give up and we're just like it's just too it's just too hot and yeah. we just go ah we can't do it. And I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I've been there. Uh, well, and and she, what she does, I don't know if she runs with or does these run walk intervals normally. It sounds like she doesn't, mm-hmm. and so that was a good way sure. to to get it in with the the heat. What I do very often is I don't typically do run walk intervals, but I do a couple of things. Um, I will stop occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll stop more often and get a wa- get water mm-hmm. and I don't worry about hurrying back to, to get back to it like I would normally do. Um, and I'll just run slower and not worry about how slow I'm running. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can do that in the heat and it's okay to do in the heat. So I, I thought about this. I wanted to look it up in the, uh, Jack Daniels V dot calculator. Um, there is, you can put in heat there and see how much sure. heat affects you. So let's take somebody who runs a 10 K in about an hour. Okay. That's about, that's a nine thirty nine pace. And let's say that that is according to it, that's the perfect temperature, which should be somewhere around 45 to 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if you look at it, the, the calculator tells you that at 70 degrees, um, the time would, would be one Oh one Oh one, which means a minute slower. Um, for 70 degrees for 80 degrees it's two minutes slower and for 90 degrees it's three minutes slower so basically it's about one second a mile for every degree it's warmer and so a lot of times we think let me take me for an example i go out and i run on a normal day i'm going to run let's say 730 pace for for per mile but it's 90 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Well, if I go out there and I run eight minutes per mile, I'm doing the same run mm-hmm. that I did when it was cooler at 7.30. But I think where Jack Daniels falls short, at least in the south, is, is the humidity. Humidity. Because yes. you can run in 95 degrees in Arizona mm-hmm. and then come here and run in 95 degrees in the summer completely different completely different yeah i mean and so i don't know if i'm sure somebody out there may have done that calculation but that that's got to make it even more exacerbated it, when you add in the humidity it does. It's, it's 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 i mean it's so thick it's it really is harder to breathe that's why they call it poor man's altitude yeah. um but it is just harder to breathe on top of the heat yeah, I looked it up, and it's about t- it can be as much as twenty percent slower wow. when it's hot and humid out. So twenty percent's a lot. I mean, that be a, that could be a couple of minutes per mile. And and the thing we're I guess we're, the point we're trying to get across is if you're especially a new runner and you're going out and you're running in ninety degree heat with eighty percent humidity, and you're not hitting your times, a lot of people will get upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they'll think I'm I'm not doing it right. I'm I'm not trying hard enough. But you got to cut yourself some slack. Just don't get discouraged. It's okay to to want it, 
but don't get discouraged because of it because Absolutely. it is a real thing. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. There's no there's nothing to beat yourself up over. Right. Uh, matter of fact, just be proud of yourself that you got out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, our trivia question for last week was this: Name the six-time Olympic medalist who was named Sports Illustrated Greatest Female Athlete of the 20th Century. That's some pretty high uh, accolades there. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's Jackie Joyner Kersee. Um, and if you watched any of the world championships this, this past week, they showed her over and over again sitting in the stands and cheering for uh, mostly sprinters and Anna Hall. Anna Hall's our heptathlete. Um, and, and it's amazing that Jackie Joyner Kersee still holds the record for the, the highest point total in a heptathlon, and this was back in 1988. Now, help everybody understand what a heptathlon okay. is. Okay, heptathlon is seven different events, mm-hmm. seven or eight. Is it seven or eight? should be seven. seven hep, hep would be seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven different events that are done over two days. So they do four events the first day, three events the second day. And so there's there's... The longest race is 800 meters. The shortest race is uh, they have 100 meters, 100 meter hurdles. They have uh, shot put. Um, they have, I think, javelin. Uh, I don't think they, they don't do pole vault. Anyway, it's it's a mixture mm-hmm. of track and field events, and so it's it's kind of overall how, how well rounded an athlete are you? And um, so is this shows my ignorance. Is it heptathlon for the women and decathlon for the men? That's right. Okay. For men, it's 10 events, right. decathlon. For women, it's heptathlon, okay. seven events. So, yeah, I don't know why they don't go ahead and move the women over to the decathlon along right. with the men. But, but anyway, that's the way it's been for a very, very long time. And Jackie joyner Kersey still holds the record for the most points in a heptathlon which that's the way that it works you're not really competing against somebody else in each individual event you're you're trying to do the best you can do to get a certain number of points Mm -hmm. so if i run a you know the 100 meter hurdles in 13 seconds that gives me a certain point total if i run it in 12.9 it's more points so there's some strategy there there is yeah there is Mm -hmm. for sure yeah Anyway, Jackie Joyner Kersey won three gold, one silver, and two bronze medals um, in both the heptathlon and the long jump over four Olympic games. So she she was out there for a long time mm-hmm. doing it as well. Um, and I hope Anna Hall is our current best that we have in the United States. And Anna Hall, I think she's got a chance of getting close to to Jackie Joyner Kersey at some point. She's still working on it. She's still getting better and improving. She just graduated from college last year hmm. and uh, University of Florida. Um, actually, I think she went to the University of Georgia first then transferred to the University of Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, Jackie is uh, very active in her community. She lives in St. Louis and she does a whole lot of stuff for uh, children and the lower income folks in the, in that area in St. Louis. And, um, she is just a great person to have in a community there in St. Louis. Um, she went to UCLA. She also ran, uh, not only ran track, but also played basketball. She was a starter in basketball for four years, um, and was named the 1985 best woman athlete in the NCAA. So not only was she named athlete of the century for, you know, once she got professional, but even before that, she was athlete of the year for NCAA. Now, that's not basketball or track. That's all NCAA hmm. sports. Wow. So that's a pretty, pretty big deal. 
Um, again, 1986, she became the first woman to score over 7,000 points in a heptathlon, which if you score 1,000 points in a particular event, then that means you're pretty close to as uh, pretty close to the elite folks mm-hmm. for the open events. And so to score 7,000 points, you have to average over 1,000 points in an event. To give you a, uh, a comparison in the men's, uh, decathlon, the highest score is like just over 9,000 points. Nobody has ever averaged 1,000 points per mm-hmm. event. But Jackie did average over 1,000 points per event in the decathlon. So she was in the Olympics from 1984 to 1986. Um, she did play professional basketball for a short stint, not very long. She played a few games one year and then decided she wanted to give that up. Um, but anyway... It, she's amazing. Her husband is is Bobby Kersey, who coaches I think Mo and Sydney McLaughlin, along with some other really good athletes. So um, he's still out there getting it done. She's still out there all the time. You see her at a lot of track meets, just supporting the athletes. Mm-hmm. So she's a great, great, great ambassador ambassador for the sport for sure. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. All right, we're back, and we're still looking for your story. You know who you are. We're talking to you. That's right. You, the one that hasn't submitted your story yet that should have. Or you've alluded to it on Run Club Social or the Run Club Facebook page. You've alluded to it. You've given snippets of it. Yeah. Go ahead and write that thing out in long form. Absolutely. We need to hear it. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have somebody who's going to share their story live. And so um, the, we, we still have that ability, too. If you're close enough and you sure. can come in and, and participate Right here, read your own story. Um, it'd be great. We'd, We'd love, love to, to have, have it. Yep, for sure. Well, with it being so hot this summer in most places in the United States, some some not as bad as others, um, what do you do to tolerate the heat? <laughs> I usually don't. I, I'm one of those that if, if I'm planning to walk or run at 4 o'clock, I'm, going, I, I'm one of those that I put things kind of – not physically on my calendar, but I'll have it mentally in my head for the day. And if it's hot, it's just hot. I've actually, uh, I've been working outside some doing a couple projects on, um, on a project we have going and it has just been unbearable. I mean, I think one day this weekend, no, it was last weekend. I changed three shirts in like two hours. I mean, it was just (laughs) so draining, but, but we're getting a break this week. It's, Got some rain moving in, and maybe fall is going to kind of peek around the corner. I uh, hope that's what but, I'm uh, hoping. Yeah, I, I I don't really, you know, some people will wait and do things in the evenings or early in the mornings. That yeah, I've never been one to do that. Maybe I'm that's the dumb side of my brain. I, <laughs> you know. Well, I think this past week, one day I went out. It was 99 yeah, degrees, and uh, it was pretty 
oppressive. But the humidity was relatively low that day, so it wasn't as bad as some other days where it's been 89 and, sure. you know, the humidity has been so thick you could drink it with a straw. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> uh, but I, I always like to look at these opportunities to get out in the heat um, as it as just that it's an opportunity to add some extra resistance mm-hmm. to my training and it's 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 a good thing to get the opportunity to to do something to, it's like running hills mm-hmm. right we go out and we run hills on purpose well running in the heat is a lot like that sure. um, as long as you're taking precautions and that kind of thing um, and then I, I'm always a big fan of well if other people can do it I can do it <laughs> so if somebody else is out running in the heat then I can too that's <laughs> just Always. Have you have you ever have you ever decided you were gonna push a run off to later because it's just too hot and then you're driving down the road and you see one of your buddies out running and you're like oh, and you run home and get your shoes and you go run right then no because I would have <laughs> ran run <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I've it's weird as runners because or is is any I guess type of sport it's like when you see somebody you could be you could have a scheduled off day. I'm thinking back to my Ironman days because I, I don't think this way anymore. I don't think, but it could be a scheduled off day, and you see one of your training buddies out on the bike on a Sunday afternoon, and you're—I don't know what it is inside of you. You feel like you're you're losing, yeah. or you're messing up, or you're—I uh, know it's the feeling you're talking. You about. know the feeling I'm yeah. talking about, and. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why that happened. I don't know if it's the competitive side. I don't know if that's a competitive thing or if it's – I don't know what it is. Yeah, my, on my side, I think what I do is I get out there and maybe I ran, already ran that day, mm-hmm. and I didn't do that much. And I, I see somebody else running, I'm like, I didn't do enough. I mean, that's, that's my – Lane was my talking mindset. about it this Saturday morning. He, uh, Him and Aaron were running together, and Andy, his coach, had just – I don't. I don't think he got on to him, but they got a meet coming up this Friday, so I'm sure it was the normal pep talk. And it was supposed to be a very easy, slow run. Well, Aaron starts pushing the pace, and and Lane's feeling good lately, so he goes with him. And he said, "Before it's over, they killed each other." Yeah. But it's and it's not like Aaron said, "I'm going to beat you," and Lane said, "I'm going to catch up with you." It was just a natural. Yep. Tick for tack. I don't know if that's a it's a guy thing or if it's if it's just a competitiveness but he said they both got done they had a great run but it was not what they were supposed to do yeah. and so andy's probably going to get on to him for that now but uh, i've been there yeah i've done it myself yep yep it's hard not to sure uh well we talked a few weeks ago about how you don't have to be a product of your environment So just because you grew up a certain way doesn't mean you have to continue on that path. Well, here's a story about someone's journey. This comes from Anna Hers, um, and it's called To Be Continued. I've hesitated to share my story because it is far from over, but today I feel God urging me to at least start it. I grew up in a home where my mom took us to church every chance the doors were open. She marched us down to the third row, no matter how late we were for the service. She raised her hands during worship and whispered, praise the Lord, throughout the service. She put on a great show, but failed to be honest about the life we lived outside of that building. 
I understood that I needed God to be the center of my life, and I asked him into my heart at a very young age. I also learned that you shouldn't be honest to anyone. I was so embarrassed by the life we lived. I worked so hard to overcome all the hurdles I saw in my path. Each time I conquered a mountain, I became a little prouder. Prayer was more of a check mark on my to-do list than it was a conversation. I asked God for things, but rarely recognized when he responded. My relationship was superficial for way too long. Then things changed. I found an amazing friend that ran. We would run together during our lunch break. I learned that there were people who truly loved God and wanted to share that love. We pounded the pavement and challenged each other to grow in our Christian walk. This started me on a journey. My path suddenly took a sharp right turn and I began to see God opening doors for me. I found a great career for a company that allowed me to move across the U.S. to be a part of my grandkids' lives. I found the perfect home and an amazing church. I began to grow in my faith, but with that came the awareness of how much I needed to grow. I started doing small local races because signing up for a race made me lace up my shoes to train. I soon found that training on the beach was a spiritual experience. I spent my training time in prayer and worship enjoying God's beauty. One night, while running in the moonlight, I was asking God what He wanted me to do and I heard, serve. I dropped to my knees. I had never heard His voice like this. I wrestled with him for a bit, but he revealed that he may not have responded throughout my life because I had not yet done just that. He was quietly waiting for me to do what he asked. I started running more so that I could spend more time communicating with God. I wanted to know how I was supposed to serve. I started focusing on others any time I did a race. I would run back with water to encourage those who were in the back. A friend started making bracelets for me to share with words of encouragement beaded into them. I would look for someone who needed a boost along the route. I would take a bracelet off my wrist and hand it to them. I was starting to find a way to serve. Then I decided to stretch myself physically by running a marathon. I looked for a program to help me train and found Run for God. I did the Dalton run and was so moved by that experience. It was such an inspiration to see what happens when someone says yes to God. And I've done that. I'm not sure yet what that really means, but for now, I'm trusting him to continue to show me the path I'm supposed to be on. I just know that I'm learning every day how to shine his light so that others see him through me. That's an incredible story, Anna. You know, one thing that, two things that stuck out to me. You know, many say they don't know their spiritual gift. Serving's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times that has shed light on what your spiritual gift is. It's, it's just getting you away from yourself many times, mm-hmm. and that opens the door to learning. The other thing is something she said in there, and it just really, it's a great quote. She said, I began to grow in my faith but with that came the awareness of how much I needed to grow. That reminds me of Paul. I think I've talked on here before. The, you know, when Paul, um, right after his conversion, he he referred to himself as a sinner, mm-hmm. and later on in his ministry, he referred to himself as the chief 
of all sinners. The closer we get to God, the more we realize how much we need Him and how bad we are. And that's, that's a very uh, mature statement in my mind that because you, as a new Christian, you may think it's going to be opposite of that. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. The closer we get to God, the more we realized how how sinful we are, how and how much we need God. It's mm-hmm. it's not that He's just trying to shine light on our sin. It's that we're getting close to something that is perfect and it yeah. illuminates how much we need Him. So that I don't know that that was just a very uh, profound statement to me. And I yeah I think she needs to use that statement more because that is very powerful. Absolutely. Well, I think in today's world, there's a couple of things that work against us and make this hard, right? <laughs> there's a lot of things. Well, there's a lot of things. Yeah. but there, yeah. there's, You're boiling it down to two. Yeah, I'm going to boil it down to two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of them is, you know, we used to tell everybody, if, if you're older like me, I remember the, the phrase, you know, pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, the idea was that you were in charge of you and you needed to get busy and you needed to get things done and there was pride in doing things yourself. Mm -hmm. So relying on God, you know, didn't make sense to people in a lot of ways because it was like, no, I'm supposed to do things myself. I'm supposed to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And then the other thing is today, what the world is telling us is we should do what we want. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. We know it's a sinful world and we all have this tendency towards sin. And so to do what we want means to sin. And right. so it is the wrong direction. And you can't serve God and be tuned into God if that's the direction you go, just kind of satisfying your urges. And so uh, those two things make it really hard these days in particular um, to, to really follow God. So congratulations to, to her, to Anna, for, for finding out how to... How to get there, right? Yeah, I'm reminded there's a there's an old gospel song, uh, and it, it's kind of it's kind of the blend, or it's kind of the answer to number one, but it's talking about I can do anything, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but it says me and God. Yeah, and that is the answer. Yes. You know, you, God God is gonna God will always open a door and show you a path, but it, but it's up to you to start walking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Good points, Ding. Romans twelve eleven says, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord." She says, "I'm learning to see life as a marathon with a finish line more incredible than we can imagine." I think this is this can be the challenge in a lot of believers' lives. I know, I know, it is for me. I looked up the word zeal, and it's great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Um, serving serving God, it can be hard. Yeah, and, and let's be honest about it. It's it's not always. He he never said it's going to be easy. Um, the picture of picking up your cross daily is 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 not a picture of ease. And so that's why it's so important. It's why we talk about it's the reason church is important. It's the reason to surround yourself with friends and and family who are believers and hang out with those people. It's why it's important to be in, in small groups and things where you've got people. It's, it's the reason it's important to be in things like Run for God mm-hmm. where, because it is hard. And to go at it alone, can it be done? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's much more likely that you're going to, to 
I hate to say use the word succeed to be, but to be more effective. If you're surrounding yourself with people, like-minded people, we we kind of use that phrase in this ministry. You know, that's what Run Club is. It's a group of like-minded people. Yeah. Um, that is what helps you keep that zeal and that fervor that Romans is talking about here. Paul is talking about in Romans because it is hard at times, mm-hmm. and so Paul was always surrounding himself with those kind of people so that when he was in prison, that's what carried him through that and the, and the love of God and his his closeness with God. But it's 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 important. Yeah, I can't help but think about how you know how you have that service. You get really excited, mm-hmm. and that zeal is is just oozing out of you. You really you fired up, and then you go have lunch, right. and then it, it dissipates. You go to a seminar for work, you know, and you you see all these new principles. And you're like you're excited about it. I want to put these things into play, and then you go to work Monday, and it's it's back to the same thing, and it's hard to to get that zeal back that mm-hmm. you that you lost running works the same way, right? We get excited about running at certain times, but then on a day when it's 97 mm-hmm. and you got to get out there and go run and it's going to hurt and it's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, it's hard to keep that level of intensity or excitement up. And so that's, that's the key is finding a way to, to still be excited when it, it's hard. It's, it's, you've got to, we've talked about this. You got to have your why, you know, mm-hmm. Lane and I used to talk, you know, when he was doing his year round training and you know, it's, it's easy to stay motivated for for a triathlete like him from May through September. Yeah. You're racing. You're yeah. you're you're getting interactive. You're you're around all your competitors and it's but we always talked about February is coming. Yeah. And February in his training cycle was just it was getting into long workouts and mm-hmm. it was just but there's nobody around. Yep. You're not racing. Your your friends who do it part time, they're doing something else, and it, yeah. it can be very lonely. And that is a picture of our spiritual walk. Yeah, you know, there's Februarys in our spiritual walk. It's mm. it's a time where all those that you thought were friends, and I struggle with this some people that used to go to church with you, and you you pull up Instagram or Facebook, and you're at church and they're at the lake. Yeah, and Let's be honest. That's tough. Yeah. But you, you've got to remember those moments where you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and you know that what you're doing is right. You know you are where you're supposed to be. And because that is February. Yep. And you've got to have things that help bring you through it. Yes, we have the love of God that will bring us through that. But God uses other people in our lives, and we need to take advantage of that. Yeah, we need to have that body of believers, whether it's a small group or your church family or this running club. You've got to have people that you can say, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling with this. Some, this doesn't make sense to me." And um, that's that's what's important. That's yeah. you've got to have that. Amen. Second Chronicles fifteen seven. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. She says, I have held on to this verse for many years selfishly. I worked hard to get ahead. Now I'm understanding that w- that work means bringing others to Christ. Yeah, you know, you're uh, 
you're one of those guys you you like to be way ahead on stuff <laughs> you like to work you you like to plan that things can be a flaw but well you know but it's a good thing it's a great quality it and you know i'm i'm you know obviously uh, i'm the a- opposite guy but you I, I i thought about this as it relates to this scripture reference and this may be off base a little bit but when I worked in South Georgia, we had these crews that were, they were called Dolph crews. And there was a group of four people who went around and they had certain things they had to get done during the night on these different machines. And they kind of had to organize their own night, right? And I remember having two separate Dolph crews. And one was one of those where they wanted to get everything they could get done early, done early, so that they could kind of cruise the second half of the night. And then... The other crew was exactly the opposite. They kind of goofed around the first half of the night, and the second half of the night, they were scrambling to get everything done. I'm the scramble guy. I was going to say, you're the picture of me and you. Yeah, it is. It is. But I wonder, I remember that those people who were um, leaving everything the last minute, they always gave me heartburn. You know, it's like, as, as the, the, the guy who's responsible for making sure it, it gets yeah. done, you know, it's like it, it, it would give me heartburn, and I wonder: do I give heart, do I give God heartburn now? You give me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, it's kind of funny because you know when we we put on some races, and that's always my thing. People have heard me say this, and it it probably sounds like I'm trying to get out of work, but it's not. I, I always say that what my goal for race day is for me to have nothing to do. Yeah, and the reason I say that is that. We've planned everything. We've got the right people in the right place. We've got incredible volunteers. Everybody has their task to do, and all is well the night before the race. Yeah. Because I know it's, I'm never going to not have anything to do. Something is always going to come up. And if you don't plan for that, then... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's when I get just torn out of frame is when I realize I can't get it all done. And so yeah. that's I am that crew that likes to get it all done and attempt to coast because you never really get to coast. Yeah, that's true. You never do. That's true. You know, when we go to a cross country meet as a coach and we go to a cross country meet, I've done my I've done my job. Right. I've mm-hmm. got them there. And I see a lot of coaches who can, you know, they just stand and watch the race. Yeah. You know me. I can't do it. Right. I cannot. I'm too excited about everything that's going on. And I feel like any tiny little thing I can do, you know, we're going to this afternoon, we're going to be going to Heritage High School yeah. and the kids are going to run a, a meet. And that is one of the toughest races for me As a spectator. because I will run. Uh, it's about it's probably about almost a half a mile yeah. from one place to the other. And I've got to get there pretty fast you'll run a 5k in the time that they run a 5k i will and i'll run and i'll have i'll have half mile sections in there that i run in sure. in less than three minutes because i'm flying trying, yeah i go to the to start with you and then i just i stand there and wait on to come back around yeah. while you take off <laughs> yeah. but it's funny you say that because i watched like four videos of that magnum mile four different people videoing every one of them did the same thing including lane they video the start and then you see the camera everybody's running to the other side of the field. <laughs> so yeah. there was a bunch of deans out on that field that night where I would have just lay like, okay, they'll be back around here in just a second. Just hold your horses. They'll be back. Uh, 
Well, I, I think that that is a level of that's a level of excitement. It it's is, a level yeah. of zeal, it right? Is. That you yeah. have for it. That doesn't mean if you're if you're waiting for them to come back around, you have no excitement I, in yeah. you. That's not true. Um, but I, I can't. It's like I can't contain it. Sure. And that's the way I want to be in my spiritual life. You know, I want to. I want to not be able to contain it right. when I meet somebody who doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. I I, I need that same right. passion for wanting to get that across. Deuteronomy thirteen four, you shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments, listen to His voice, serve Him, and cling to Him. There's That's not one a of the whole big lot ten. to say there. No, no. There's not. No, it's it's self yeah. Um like I said, that's one of the one of the commandments, you know, and it, it it's simple. It's yeah. simple. Here's a question. How does waiting on God to answer build spiritual muscles? How does that align with building physical muscles? It's it's the hardest part but it's where the most gains are made. Um, rest, waiting, and we use waiting in the spiritual realm, rest in the physical realm. That's the hardest part, mm-hmm. especially if you're very competitive, especially if you have big goals. And, you know, so as I, as I get older, I don't have as much of a problem with rest days. Yeah. You know, I kind of embrace it. When I was younger, it was like, just like we talked about, I'll see a guy on a bike and I'm like, I got to go get my bike. I don't care if it's a rest day. Yeah. But your your gains are built in the waiting, in the resting, in the reflecting. And, you know, God, God brought me to a great sermon yesterday morning. Well, am I taking time today to shut things down and just meditate? A lot of times that's why that fizzles out. Mm-hmm. Because we don't give our time to even we don't give ourselves time to even think about it or meditate on it or pray about it, we're just on to the next thing, and that's it's true. I feel like a broken record on here sometimes. It's 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 where society has us. Our yeah. our schedules are so cram packed that we don't even have time to reflect on the sermon that we heard yesterday morning. Yeah, and same thing in our physical life. You know, we we do a. A, the longest run we've ever done yesterday, maybe that's a 10-mile run for you, and and today we see somebody on the track and we think, oh, I, it would probably be a good idea if I go do a track workout today. Yeah. That's not a good idea. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's amazing how these two things parallel each other, yeah. running and our faith, and it's sometimes you just got to find time to do nothing. Yep, yep. Yeah, and we do know. We know that our body, our body's building muscle while we're resting. And a lot of times, you know, I mentioned last week on the podcast that the story that I wrote kind of got me, kind of hit me hard while I was while I was writing it. And it was because I was going back and reading what I wrote, and which which is that time to kind of take a step back and relax a little bit, and. that's the, that. That's what we have to do. Don't you love it when your own about. words convict you? Yeah, yeah. Love it or don't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think about too. It's not quite exactly the same, but um, a lot of times it's it's when we relax that things come together. You know, we've all done that thing where you're trying to think of an answer to something, and you can't think of the answer. 
and then it just comes to you mm-hmm. 10 minutes later when you're just relaxed and you're not thinking about it. Um, to me, that's kind of the same kind of thing. It's, um, it, it's not the same, but it's, it's that idea that you, you allow yourself to relax enough to let it soak in and let something else come out, right? Yeah, I mean, I, this is kind of a weird example, but, you know, I don't know if I've said on here, but Holly and I, we've sold our house, and um, we're building a new house, and we're we're downsizing. Both of our kids are about grown now. We don't need all the space that we have, so we're downsizing quite a bit. We've sold our house and we're moving into a rental house right down the road from where we're building. And and everybody's asking me, you know, when do you think you'll be in? You think you'll be in in six months? And I'm like, I mean, we we could build a house in six months. I said, I don't have a time frame because what I know is that you can do things better. You can enjoy the process more if you just slow down. Yeah. And, yeah. My nat- this is not my nature the way I'm going about building this house. Yeah. It is it is just not. But there again, it's if we would do this in our spiritual lives, but we have we have these checklists, just like Anna said in her story. Sometimes prayer was just on a checklist. Now, sometimes that's okay. We've talked about that on here. Yeah. The point is you get get it done, but that's not okay all the time. You need to let these things percolate and soak in and we just don't allow ourselves the time we we so and so many times it's it's because it's something to do with church Mm -hmm. well i can't i can't give myself to do that because i gotta get ready for the sunday school lesson tonight or or the deacons meeting or the committee meeting or what whatever sometimes church can get in the way yeah and i don't say that meaning you don't need to go to church sometimes you may just need to come off some of these committees that you're on. Yeah. Pull back from some of these responsibilities and be more effective in a fewer things yeah. than little, be not as effective in many things. Good I don't point. Know, you're getting me off on a tangent. <laughs> well, here's another question. How does your running honor God? I think for me, it's obvious. You know, um, God gave me a talent for running, um, and I try to encourage others who don't have as much natural talent as I do. Um, even just wearing the run for God t-shirt can, uh, can make a big difference. But my whole, my whole thing these days about running is just trying to encourage other people. And, you know, it's, I guess in the Bible, we, it talks about meeting people's needs Mm -hmm. and running is a, I don't know if it's really a need, but there's a need for people to want to feel good about what they're doing and to feel better physically. And all of that leads to a better spiritual life. And so I guess in an indirect way, that's kind of the way that, that I feel. Well, about. It's, it's part of the body. I, yeah. I, I listened to a sermon. Actually, it was a sermon by a young man that, that I had in my small group, Jeb Brooker. You know, he preached again yesterday at, at his home church. And I mean, this young man, talk about zeal. Yeah. This guy's 22, 23 years old. And just, I mean, he is a Southern preacher, but he's on fire for God. But he was talking about that very thing, how everybody thinks they, you know, what they do doesn't matter. And he said, the Bible is clear. We are, we are a body. And when one member is not part, the whole body suffers. And he said, how would you feel if you came into church today and you didn't have your kneecap? Well, most people don't think about the kneecap. 
Most people don't think about running being a ministry, but it is. And that's the way we need to look at it is mm. that no matter whether you're walking for God, you know, we hear this, well, I'm not a runner. Well, you're wrong in making that statement or your your perspective is wrong in making this because it's you're you're downplaying what your ability is. God gave you an ability. Maybe the ability is to walk. That's my ability right now. But you don't hear me out here saying, well, I'm I'm just not a runner. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, Eeyore is not my spirit animal. But <laughs> you, we need to have, if, if God has you walking and he has you walking a 20-minute mile, be proud of that because yeah. that comes through. When you're wearing that Run For God t-shirt, yep. that attitude comes through. You, you mentioned running and you... I, I think it was Mike Powers posted. There was a, a race being advertised on social media, and Mike Powers, who is in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah, I, think, I think that's right. I think he's in Memphis. He saw the ad and he, I think he commented, but he shared it and he said, "This is what I love to see." Well, this was an ad that somebody in Memphis, Tennessee, was seeing of a race that you had done before. You see the whole line of people starting, but guess what's right in the middle? A big old Run for God shirt. Yeah. I mean, it that could as easily have been a Run for God ad as it was an ad for that race. You, you wear that shirt with zeal and yep. fervor, and that's yep. the way we're all to be. You're running a 530 mile. We need to be we need to be as loud and proud about our love of Christ if we're doing a 20-minute mile. That's right. And so for all of you out there who who make comments like, well, I'm just a walker, or somehow you're lesser than, it's not true. It's not true. God has you where you are for a reason. He absolutely does. And there's one word of caution that comes with that, because with that, you know, you mentioned, uh, I'm on this picture right here, and it was the FCA race in, in Chattanooga. That's right, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's that's great. But it also comes with some responsibility because, you know, uh, there, I re there are times when like when I'm running out here on the road and I'm wearing a Run For God t-shirt and a car doesn't want to move over. <laughs> and I, I really sometimes I'm just. We all know what you think. Li little too much honesty here, but there's times I want to make gestures. Right. And I can't do that. No. I don't need to do that because that's that hurts the cause. There's so a responsibility. There is. With wearing the shirt, we talk about it in chapter ten of all the challenges. That's there right. is a responsibility. It would be better not to wear the shirt than to wear the shirt and be, you know, making gestures to every car goes down the road. Yep. You you can't do that. I, I talk about a good friend of mine who was he was from Atlanta, great guy, but this guy cussed like a sailor. He was, to my knowledge, not saved, but he was a great guy. And he, he made the comment one day. This was his comment. He said, Mitchell, when are you going to get me one of those effing shirts? Run for God shirts. Gosh. And I was like, I mean, I love the guy to death. Yeah. But I was, I mean, and I didn't say this, but I was thinking, I'm not bringing you <laughs> one of these shirts. Because point being, and I'm pointing fingers at him, but I have to be just as conscious sure. of there's a lot of weight comes with wearing this shirt or carrying your bible or having that sticker on the back of your car it's this isn't a run for god thing if we're representing christ 
we can hurt the cause. That's right. We're, we're not going to hurt God. We're not going to mess God up, but we can hurt our witness. We, we can, can hurt our testimony in the process. Absolutely. Last question. What can we learn from challenges that we face? The key is you learn. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. You got to look back. Yep. And it's different for all of them. You know, I've had a, I've had a hamstring issue since 2015. I, I can point to the time when it happened. I know exactly where I picked up this hamstring issue, and, um, it, but it's still there, and I'm still having trouble with it. But um, all the things that I've done between 2015 and today, I've worked on lots of different ways to try to get that to feel better. And I tried something a couple of weeks ago. I decided I was going to run one mile a day for two weeks to, to continue the running streak, but to basically take the time off because I haven't taken any time off in 12 years. And so, um, so I did that and, um, I learned some stuff during that time. Right. Um, I've learned that I've got to, there's a couple of things that I can do that make a difference. And, you know, of course now my fitness level is fallen off. So now I got to get back to get back to things. But, um, right now my hamstring feels better than it has in a long time. And mm -hmm. part of that is because I decided to do something different and learn from my challenges, banging your head against the same wall over and over again is going to produce the same results. Mm -hmm. And so I had to try something different and it's working. And, um, and I have found a couple of other things that help as well. And so hopefully um, I'll be so, back to. So what normal. are you doing that seems to be helping? I am for all those out there who may have a hamstring issue. Well, you're not going to believe this, but my problem is I need to stretch a couple of muscles in particular, mm -hmm. my iliacus and my psoas muscles, which are basically your ab muscles. They're the the ab muscles that connect your upper body to your lower body, and the more I keep those loose and stretched out, the better my hamstring feels. Are those the muscles that? We're referencing when we, when we tell people to belly breathe. No, that's your diaphragm you're working on. Oh, that's on the there. diaphragm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, your iliacus and your, your psoas muscles are the muscles that go, they, they, they go from your abs down into your groin area. Mm. It's, again, they're, they're the only muscles that connect the, the upper and lower parts of your body. Mm. And so it becomes important for your lower body for that, those muscles to be loose. And so, yeah. There you go. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the entire Bible every day for a full year. You don't want to miss hearing this transplanted Southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge tab. All right, we're back. Do you have any running gear that you think is just essential to you? Uh, running shoes? Shoes. Yeah, that's about it, right? <laughs> you and I are pretty simple when it comes yeah. to that. 
Oh, and even my running shoes aren't as expensive as a lot of people's. You know, I don't buy the most expensive ones. Uh, maybe for racing shoes. But. They changed my running shoes. Have you seen my new shoes? No, I haven't. Did they the change Nimbus? yours too? Yeah, they, you know, I don't have them on right now. I've had the same shoes for years and years and years, ever since I started running, really. And I don't know if it's this whole new trend, but the Nimbus now, it's supposedly the same drop the same everything but they look like a pair of hokas now they got huh. the big base on them i mean i'm an inch taller when i wear them now huh. um yeah i got me i picked me a, big up a couple new pairs the other day and uh yeah you like just, them they, yeah i like them you know they've got the tongue now i've always liked a tongue that's substantial yeah you know i guess it's the triathlete in me i need something to pull yeah. And they've got the flimsy tongue now, which I don't like. Uh, so they've changed some. Why do they do that? I mean, it's been the same shoe for 20 years. Why? I don't know. You know, I wore uh, I wore the the Saucony Convara for, I probably had about, I had about 40 pairs of those. So you don't still wear those over, anymore? Over years. No. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I wore, I had about 40 pairs of those. And then what happened was I went to our local running store. I really needed a new pair, like right now. So I went to our local running store. They didn't have any. And so they talked me into a pair of Saucony Freedoms, mm. and that's what I've been wearing for mm. the last. I've had about forty pairs of those now. Uh, well, they just quit making the Freedoms, and so um, I went to a couple of weeks ago. Went with uh, the high school team, and I thought, well, while I'm there, I'll look and see what else is there. Well, now I'm wearing New Balance Rebels, and uh, completely different now. Yeah, mm. and and I like them. And so, you know, if you're, if, if there's a rep from Saucony out there listening, I, I've been wearing Saucony shoes for years and I wanted pairs. to keep wearing them, <laughs> Yeah. but you know, you did away with my shoe. Yeah. And so I found something else. Yeah. So the, and these shoes are really, they're, there's, they're so soft. When I first put them on, I thought there's no way these, these can't be good. They're just going to feel like running on, you know, running in sand or something. Yeah. It's just not good. But they're amazingly responsive, even mm. though they're really super soft. So I, I like them. But anyway, um, you know, and then there's a couple of, you know, obviously I, y- you got to have your watch. You know, these days you feel, you feel like you're not running if you don't have a GPS watch while you're running. Um, now, some people are fine with that. I, I like to have my watch with me. Um, but I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty no frills. Mm-hmm. I felt like the socks that I wear, I buy one pair, of, one type of sock and I buy them six pairs at a time. Yeah. And, um, you know, as they wear out, I throw them out. And then at some point in time, I buy six more pairs and I throw them into my rotation. <laughs> and then my shorts, See, my, my, the same wife, way. my wife is good about that because uh, yeah. I won't throw them away. You yeah. Know, I won't throw them away until I'm getting a blister and I look down and there's a hole in them. Yeah. But my wife is good about sneaking things out not just socks yeah plenty of other pieces of clothing that you know it's just getting comfortable and all of a sudden it's gone where did holly where did my whatever go i don't know where it went (laughs) (laughs) but you know where it went she Uh, she watches over me in that way yeah yeah well i discovered something a few years ago i used to run i used to run naked with meaning not meaning naked (laughs) naked but without without my phone without any kind of music nothing at all and um you know i just left my phone wherever i was and went went for a run 
I found some shorts that I can wear that have a pocket where the, and they don't, you know, the, the you can use your, anyway, you can have a phone in a pocket. And so I've been running with my phone in my pocket now for years. And that's the only, only shorts I'll wear now because mm-hmm. I can run with my phone and I can listen to podcasts or whatever mm-hmm. while I'm running. And so, uh, it's, that's, that's made a big difference. But other than that, you just want to make sure that you wear your clothes that are comfortable. Sure. And it don't cause chafing issues. Sure. That's the most important thing. And it don't cause injuries injuries that's right get the right shoes don't don't try to save money on shoes absolutely get the right shoes yeah Yeah, what was interesting is i went from those saucony freedom shoes to those new balance rebels they're they're twenty dollars cheaper really so yeah i i I like that thought (laughs) all right it's a time for dean's thoughts and that's a time when i share something that i've written about the intersection between running and faith well have you played monopoly Well, there is a rule in Monopoly that I didn't know existed, Um, and I'm going to talk about it in a running context. This is called Rules Are Rules. Nearly everyone in the United States has played the game of Monopoly, but do you know the rules of the game? For example, what happens if you land on a property that is not yet owned? Well, here is what the rule states. Whenever you land on an unowned property, you may buy that property from the bank at its printed price. You receive the title deed card showing ownership. Place it face up in front of you. If you do not wish to buy the property, the banker sells it at auction to the highest bidder. The buyer pays the bank the amount of the bid in cash and receives the title deed card for that property. Any player, including the one who declined the option to buy it at the printed price, may bid. Bidding may start at any price. That's a game changer. (laughs) I've never known that. Did you catch that? If you choose not to buy the property, it goes to auction. I recently saw this rule applied as a player declined to buy the property and then bought it back from the bank for a dollar before anyone else knew what was going on. I have to confess, I didn't know this was a rule, and I suspect many people do not know a basic rule to one of the most popular games of all time. How in the world did that happen? There are many things hiding in plain sight in the world. Some of those things are in the form of solutions to issues. If you have a chronically tight hamstring, there's probably a solution out there. You just have to find it. I tried a dozen different solutions for plantar fasciitis before I found one that worked. So sometimes you have to hunt relentlessly to find a solution to your problem. But there is probably one out there. My wife, Debbie, and I were recently on a trip to the Mayo Clinic. She has had issues for a long time, and we know the answer is probably out there somewhere. We just haven't found it yet. While we were in the doctor's office, she shared a shocking thought with us. Debbie has had asthma her entire life, but the doctor looked us in the eye and said, it's just a theory, and I could be wrong, but I'm not sure you have asthma. (laughs) There could have been a nuclear explosion, and I'm not sure we would have noticed in that moment. Sometimes it's easy to find solutions to problems. I can't count the number of times I have Googled the solution to a problem. It may take a few tries, but I usually find the answer I'm looking for. But sometimes the problems require more diligence. In Debbie's case, it has been over a decade. Solutions to your running problems are often easy to find, but sometimes they require you to keep searching. When that happens, it can be frustrating for sure. I like to reframe it as a challenge. It is much easier to search for solutions when you look at it that way. 
There have always been controversies in churches over issues that are not addressed in the Bible. A good example is music. Although the Bible talks about music, there is no single genre of music we are directed to use for worship. There are some who believe that using drums, for example, is not appropriate in church. But the Bible only gives us one direction. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Are you singing the music with thankfulness in your heart to God? Are the songs honoring God? Well, then you're okay. The solution was there the entire time. If you're trying to find answers to your questions or issues, it may be right there in front of you. It may take some Googling to find it. It may even take time to get to the ultimate solution. But chances are, there is a solution out there. Go find it. You may be surprised to learn that it has been in the rules the entire time. I didn't mean to jump in on your uh, story there, Dan, but yeah, I, I didn't know that about Monopoly. I did not either. But it's, I mean, it's as plain as day. What I was actually, we, Debbie and I were listening to a, um, a, a, an ebook, an audio book, rather. And um, it, it was in this book. It was, it was, and, and it was, it was funny because the character, you know, pulls this fast one on everybody else that's playing the game. And then he does another one. Another, there's a similar rule of Monopoly. I can't remember what it is now, but it's similar that one that we don't play by. But, uh, but yeah. Um, and so we, we heard that, and I was like, no, that's not true. So I got home, and I'm like, well, I'll be. It is true. Wow. It's actually in the room. Crazy. Yeah. I learned something new today. Yeah. Well, sometimes the answer is as plain as the nose on your face, but um, sometimes it's not. The other angle I could have taken here is that we need to use everything at our disposal to help us. I can remember being coaching team sports back years ago, and – I always admired those coaches who could figure out how to manipulate the rules to help his team win. Um, I was okay at that, but I wasn't the best. I, there were so many guys who I was just I admired so much because they would take some rule and just figure out a way to use it. Mm -hmm. Not nothing bad, nothing unscrupulous, just good, good, thoughtful ways to use the rules for for yourself and. Um, we need to do that. And, sure. and sometimes, again, the answer to our running issues, our running injuries or a training issue or whatever, sometimes um, it, it's simple. We just need to look at the whole broad scope of options we have to us. Instead, we're looking at this very narrow thing, you know. And when we, when we, when we spread ourselves out, you know, it's the Mayo Clinic. You go to the Mayo Clinic, Debbie, Debbie going to the Mayo Clinic. What, what the Mayo Clinic sees is they have these lung doctors who the only people they see are people mm -hmm. who have been to other doctors and couldn't be helped by other doctors. So the, all the problems they see are hard ones to fix. But because of that, they're really good at it, right? They've seen that hard problem 50 times where the local doctor has never seen it before. Right, yeah. right. And so that makes them better at it. And the idea is you go to the Mayo Clinic to find those answers to the hard problems. Well, when you have a hard problem that you can't find the answer to right away, don't give up. The answer isn't give up. Oh, well, I guess I'll never run again. Sure. It's, um, you know, there's an answer out there. You just have to keep searching and keep searching.
Yeah. And you'll find it eventually. Um, don't neglect the people around you who are more knowledgeable than you. You know what I mean? If yeah. you've got somebody around you who knows more about an issue, that's like having a Mayo Clinic at your fingertips. Sure. You need to go talk to that person and get them involved. Um, and then, of course, I talk about Google and stuff here. Um, I've noticed that when you Google stuff, it's incredibly important how you word it. Yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, not only, yeah, well, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint. But yeah. a lot of times you're, you're trying to find a solution to something, and it ta- it'll take me 10 tries to word it different ways sure. to get the solution I need to this weird problem that I'm having. Um, but a, a lot of times, if we're that persistent with, uh, with our running issues, a lot of times we can find an answer to it. Sure. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station on J Radio. every week I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. Well, here's one. It's really good for your joints and your bones. You know, as we get older, we need to take care of our bones and our joints, and there's no better way to do it than running or walking. Um, And it's way better if you start when you're younger and you keep going than it is if you start when you're older. Now, what's the best time to start running or walking? Well, it's yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the next best time is today. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the load bearing, uh, the way that you bear your weight when you run or you walk um, really does a lot of good for your bones and, um, and your joints. And so a lot of people think that running or walking is bad for your joints. It is not. Studies all prove that it sure. is good for you. So, well, we had the World Athletic Championships this past week, and um, they may have been the best I've ever seen. They were – it was so good. The field of – I had more fun watching field events this past week than I've ever had in my life. There were so many field events that came down to the last throw or the last jump or that, that were so – I mean, it was really, really fun to watch. The lady who won the uh, discus – I don't know if you saw any highlights or anything, but the, the lady who won the discus, she was, she's not even the best on our team, right? She's second. We had, there was a, a lady for the United States, Valerie Allman, who has been looking for a world championship now for a few years, and she's really good. And sure enough, she was, she was leading the whole thing. It looked like she was going to win it. But then another girl from the United States, it took her having a, I think like a six-foot PR just to get into to throw the last three throws. Hmm. You know, they, they take they only take so many to throw the last three throws. Well, she barely got in there. And then she increased her PR another 11 feet and won the competition. Wow. I mean, it was just – and she was so surprised, and it was it was so much fun to watch so, stuff like that, for somebody to surprise I themselves. I don't know if I've ever show. watched the discus. Ah, I don't, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I don't know if I've ever actually went down and watched it at the high school level, as many track meets as I've been to. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Well, her name was uh, 
Laluga Tasaga, uh, um, and she was, uh, it was, it was so much fun to watch. So, uh, excuse me, I said, I think I said 17 feet, for, 16 feet further than she'd ever thrown before. Um, so the United States finished one, two in the discus. We had never had a gold medalist in the discus. Now we have a gold and a silver, hmm. um, in the same, same one. So, um, you know, we've talked before about Shakari Richardson. Um, Shakari Richardson won the hundred and I don't, did you watch any of that? I did. I, I saw her her uh, qualifier round. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Well, I'm. It not, seemed like she was tempered a little bit. Well, she was highly tempered after winning it. Really? She was so surprised. It was. It was. It was so much fun to watch because mm-hmm. she was so humbled in that moment. Well, good. And and she was very humble about it yeah. afterwards as well. Um, it was really good to see her. Um, be in the headspace she was after mm-hmm. that. It really, really was special to watch the surprised look on her face. And then when she realized, it's almost like she won it and she kind of knew it and she was proud of herself and all that stuff. And then it's like all of a sudden it hit her. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm the world champion. And she started running around and was just so excited. And I just love that. Yeah. So, Well, and hopefully she'll see that, because I would assume that the reaction to her being that way is going to be much different, and I hope she picks up on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I hope, too. And then, of course, on the men's side, Noah Lyles won the 100 and the 200. And uh, I don't know if you saw that he had during the, the ceremony um, where they were playing the national anthem. You know, he was really – he was being Noah Lyles. Big smile, and he was happy. And, and as the, the national anthem was being played – the smile goes off of his face and he gets this really thoughtful look on his face and you can see what's happening is he's realizing the importance of this moment and that mm-hmm. he's representing something way bigger than himself yeah and he just started he just broke out and started bawling really? i mean he was just crying his eyes out the two guys the silver and bronze medal holders were were consoling him because mm-hmm. he was just torn up by it mm-hmm. And it was so good to watch our athletes be be such good, uh, be such patriotic yeah. Americans. That was that was really cool to watch. And then Jakob Ingebrigtsen gets beat by Josh Kerr. Oh, really? Yes, yes. <clears throat> you know, we, we've been saying for years that maybe Josh Kerr is the guy that can beat him because he's got a better kick mm-hmm. than Jakob does. And sure enough, he outkicked him. Now, afterwards, we learned that Jakob Ingebrigtsen had been sick, probably had some kind of a virus or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see it when he came back to run the 5,000. He looked sick. Hmm. And sure, he stayed back in the pack the whole time. He didn't, he didn't take the lead until about three yards from the finish line <laughs> is, when he, is when he took the lead and won. Um, but it was, it was, it's good to see because I think that's good for him yeah. um, to, to, to know. But – uh, that, that he's he still got work to do because I'd still like to see him break that world record at some point in time. He's mm-hmm. still got a ways to go to get there. So um, anyway, the USA won four out of the five relays. Um, used to be four relays. You know, there's the four by one hundred and there's a four by four, and of course there's men's and women's for each. But then now they have this mixed relay, the four by four mixed relay, and the United States was actually in second place in the four by four mixed relay. And Femke Boll, one of the best runners in, in the world, would have had three gold medals if, she, if, if this wouldn't have happened to her. About 10 meters from the finish line, 
she tripped and fell. Hmm. The, she lost the baton. The baton went out of her hand. She was going to win. The baton went out of her hand. And, um, so if the baton hits the ground, is the team out? Well, it depends on where it, where it hits the ground. What, okay. But the baton had gone across the finish line. Oh, it okay. flew out of her hand, went across the finish but line. But if you so. drop it on the back stretch, you can go back and get That's it. That's right. Yeah. You can. Okay. Yeah. But if you drop it in the exchange zone, you're out, Depends right? on whether you pick it up in the exchange zone or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, she winds up falling, and they wind up being just DQ'd completely because she didn't cross the finish line with the baton in her hand. Hmm. And uh, so the United States wins. And then um, both the United States men and women's four-by-one teams won. The men's team still I don't know what it is about the four by one and the United States men, but they cannot pass a baton to save their lives. <laughs> I mean, even they won, but they did it in spite of their bad passes, really? not because of them. Yeah. You know, they got beat in the Olympics by Canada because Canada wasn't faster than them. They just could hand the baton off. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that was fun to watch. But the women's four by four team got, uh, got DQ'd because – in the four by four, there's two different types of handoffs. If you don't know this, in in the four by one hundred meters, it's what they call a blind handoff, mm-hmm. and it's where you reach your hand behind you, and the other person just has to put the it's stick the in your hand. Way. And it's the fastest way, and that's why they do it in the four by one because you you got to be as fast as you can and not lose any speed as the baton moves around the track. Well, in the four by four, it's not as critical because there's time to make it up. It's a you know it's a three to four minute race, and so it's going to take time. And so. Um, what you're supposed to do is turn around, hold your hand out at shoulder level, and look the baton into your hand and make sure you've got it before you turn around and run. We didn't do that. Hmm. Um, one of our runners turned around before she saw the baton in her hand, and it didn't get in her hand. And by the time she kept trying to, to run, and by the time the runner got back to her and got the baton in her hand, they were outside the zone, and they were dis- disqualified for it. So... That was a sad thing. It was the only relay we lost. It was, was the one we got DQ'd for. We actually won it, but we're DQ'd because we passed the baton outside the... So, the uh, United States is just killing it in mm. track and field right now. And not just track. You know, usually, we, a lot of times we do really well, especially in the sprints, but we're killing it in the, in the field events as well now. So, uh, really, really cool to see. So, we, we won the, the women's hammer throw. We won the women's discus the shot put, the pole vault. I mean, we're just, it's, it's been great to watch. So uh, watch out for the Olympics next year. We mm-hmm. should do well in the Olympics. All right. How about a trivia question for, uh, for this week? Um, this, this one I thought would be interesting um, because if you don't know the answer to this one, you're not going to know the answer to this one. You are not going to guess it. Um, the question is this. Who is the track and field athlete with the most social media followers? Now, you, you probably have some names that pop in your head. I assure you the name that popped in your head is not the answer to this question. I just guarantee it's not. Do, I, do you think I would know who this you, person is? No, you have no idea who this person is. Wow. Now so, you got me curious. Yeah. Yeah. So look that up. And if you can find it, send that to Dean at runforgod.com and win $20 off in the Run for God store. If you can be the first one. All right. Let me leave you with this motivational thought of the week. I'm not even sure how you say this name. It comes from Najwa Zebian. 
It says, these mountains that you're carrying, you were only supposed to climb. <laughs> I like that. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So often we make things worse by making things out to be bigger than they are. And we're trying to carry them out. We're taking them on. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. All right. 180 episodes down and uh we are so enjoying this we thank you so much for being a part of the run for god run club podcast thank you for listening and um we just hope that uh that we continue to do things again give us feedback let us know you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com and give us feedback on what you think we can do to improve and uh and we'd be glad to do it until next week may god bless every step of every run and or walk Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.